This episode of the Aquarius Podcast is sponsored by Aquarium Co-op and their amazing all-in-one fertilizer, Easy Green. If you're like me and love planted tanks but weren't born with an aquatic green thumb, Easy Green is the stuff for you. Easy Green is super easy to dose and I use it in all of my planted tanks, both high and low-tech setups. I follow the instructions on the bottle and the results are healthy, vibrant plants. I know so many other Aquarists who swear by Easy Green and their tanks look amazing. You can even go back to previous episodes of this podcast where you hear several guests talk about their experience and love for this stuff. So head on over to AquariumCoop.com, drop some Easy Green in your cart, and use the code Aquarius5 at checkout to receive 5% off your order. And if you needed it, Corey has numerous videos on the Aquarium Co-op YouTube channel where he talks all about Easy Green, how to use it, and shows off his own tanks at home and in the store that are thriving on the stuff. Lastly, if you're enjoying the podcast, share the show with your friends, leave a rating wherever you listen to the episodes, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Now, on to the interview. Today's date is Monday, October 29th, 2018. My guest today is Jeff Miyake. Jeff is a competitive aquascaper who has competed around the world and also serves as a judge when not competing. Jeff has had articles published in the Aquatic Gardeners Association magazine and gives presentations at fish clubs across the country. Recently, Jeff and the members of Team Dysfunctional took first place in the large tank category during the Aquascaping Live contest at Aquatic Experience 2018. So Jeff, welcome to the Aquarius Podcast. Thank you, Randy. Happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm happy to have you on. I mean, you are a, you know, you're, you're riding high right now. You're a champion. Uh, you and your team, you know, like I said in the intro, you guys took the uh, first place uh, large tank category at Aquascaping Live contest. And the tank that you guys put together was absolutely fantastic. So congratulations. Thank you very much, uh, Randy. We started that process um, pretty much the day after we didn't rank last year. <laughs> nice. So that's a lot of motivation coming off of uh, last year's competition. So before we before we go down that path and that journey, I want to hear more about who Jeff Miyake is. Um, can you go back to your earliest memories? How did you get started in tropical fish keeping? Because I certainly don't think it was putting together first place winning aquascapes. Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, I started way back when. I, I, I grew up on a lake. And we had a family friend that uh, did a lot of fish keeping. And he set me up with my first um, first aquarium. And that aquarium was filled with uh, fish and plants from the lake. So I guess uh, my first tank was a biotope. Oh, that, that's um, awesome. So a native, a native uh, and I would assume a tank that then, you know, you're not needing heater or anything like that. So um, if you don't mind me asking, like native to which part of the country? I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Yep. So uh, I grabbed the sand, the plants, uh, caught the minnows, some little bluegills, and put my first tank together. Oh, that's awesome. And so how did that, uh, how did that tank do? Uh, it did really well. Um, the fish ended up going back into the uh, lake after several months, but... Um, yeah, uh, the I actually did uh, freshwater clams too, and of course those didn't last. And um, you know, you you have all these nice fish in the lake, but then you get hooked on the uh, tropicals, neons, and you know the other colorful tetras. And what was your experience? Uh, your first experience getting the tropical fish? You know, I don't remember. I just remember that um, you know having a family friend, you know. Breeding fish, I uh, had a lot of access to many different fish. I do remember angelfish being my favorite. 
Very cool. Yeah, angelfish are pretty awesome. That's that's one fish that I have not kept, and I don't want to tease too much, but I think that's one that I should be having here in the next couple months. So um, definitely something that, that is on my list to get. I never thought that I, I would get the angelfish, but uh, yeah, enough about me. So I, I guess kind of take me on your, on your journey then, right? So you start getting into tropical fish. Um, does multiple tank syndrome bite you at a young age, or are you able to kind of keep it in control and keep it at like a one tank minimum? Or one take max, I should say. Yeah, I've never really had um, an issue with multiple tank syndrome. I've always focused on one or two tanks and do those tanks very well. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I do. I think like many of us, we do. We are afflicted by the multiple tank syndrome and we do a lot of tanks and we just kind of do them uh, just well enough to let the fish survive and maybe have some plants growing in them. So cheers to you on self-control. <laughs> Thanks. Um, as you're progressing, I mean, did, you know, I'm relatively new to aquascaping. I feel like aquascaping is a relatively new segment of the hobby. Um, did you always have kind of this passion to put together planted tanks then? You know, I really didn't. Um, I would say the aquascaping passion I have today. All right, everybody. So we had to switch over from a uh, Google voice call to calling Jeff's uh, cell phone. Uh, we're having a little bit of a technical difficulties, but nonetheless, we are still bringing you the Aquarius podcast free of charge. So, Jeff, let's talk about um, the aquascaping part of your journey. So, how did you get into aquascaping? Okay, yeah, great. Uh, yeah, so I was uh, doing aquariums on and off uh, for a long time, about uh, maybe seven or eight years ago. I did have a planted tank, uh, one of the good old 55-gallon, four-foot by one-foot by whatever, 22 inches tall. Um, and, uh, at the time, uh, the planet tank was looking okay, but, uh, stumbled across Takashi Amano's works like so many aquascapers. Um, I saw those books. I looked at his pictures, looked at my tank, looked at those pictures. And I said, I'm doing this wrong. So, uh, that was the beginning of my journey. Oh, very nice. Yeah. I mean, that Takashi Mono, I haven't read that book, but um, I mean, you, when you just see the, the inspiration and what he's done and like I said, what's been inspired from that, um, it, it's absolutely awesome. So, you know, it, it, it's hard for me to look. I like to, to call my tank kind of a jungle thing because it's so overrun, but I know deep down that if I did aquascaping, you know, I really would want to do things that are more in line with the principle or more in line with something like uh, what Mr. Amano was doing. So, uh, you get this book, you start getting this inspiration. I mean, you know, continue to kind of build. Like, how did you get from from that point with the book to where you are now? Like, how much trial and error and and practice and you know plants did you have to go through? Yeah, so I sold that fifty five gallon off immediately um, and hooked myself up with a, a nice um, ninety centimeter rimless tank and uh, got all the bells and whistles. I, I dove head first. Um, and, you know, uh, I, at that point I just started studying my, my first aquascape was, um, uh, it was a disaster. It, you know, I put the sand in too thick, the planting choices I picked ended up like a uh, jungle, you know, it was just, it was, it was no good. So, uh, I just continued to study at that point and practice, um, and just improve my skills slowly, but surely. Uh, back then, the internet really did not have a whole lot of um, training materials or guides or 
just um, photos of how to do some of these uh, uh, aquascapes, even just like, you know, how to get the slope and the soil, um, just real basic techniques. Just it wasn't shared back then. So it was a, it was a struggle at first. And was it just in the one tank that you were experimenting, or did you have any friends that would uh, let you kind of guinea pig and, and play around with their tanks? It really was that one tank. Um, I did end up getting a couple of nano tanks at that point to practice because what I found out really quickly was practicing in a 90 centimeter tank was expensive and uh, very time consuming. So, um, you know, trying this, trying that was not the way to go um, as far as a large tank. So, you know, I made a lot of my mistakes early on in those smaller tanks. And that really accelerated my learning process. I mean, so let's talk about some more of those um, learning mistakes and, and kind of the, uh, you know, what you have gleaned from those experiences to, to where you are now. Is there anything that is just really, really glaring that sticks out that now if you went back, like you kind of shake your head at? Pretty much all of it. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, through, you know, trial and error, um, I think the first thing I learned um, from doing all that was how to grow the plants well. Um, I, you know, I've been growing plants for a long time, but never growing plants well. And learning how to grow the plants well was really key to becoming a, a good aquascaper. Um, with, without those plants, you really have no palate to create that aquascape. Mm-hmm. So maybe not, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, we, we look at these aquascaping tanks and they're, you know, they're visually incredibly stunning tanks, but then you'll hear somebody kind of chime in and say, well, that's not really a sustainable tank, or that's not really a tank that you would set up at home. Um, do you, know, do you think that there might be some people on the aquascaping circuit and by all means, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but just, you know, conceptually we're talking here that maybe they don't understand those fundamental principles and the plants that they're always working with are ones that are just straight out of, you know, a package. They stuff them into some soil, stuff them into some into a hardscape, and then they're done, and then the tank gets torn down? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, especially in competitive aquascaping, the, the tanks, uh, the, the aquascapes, they tend to be flipped fairly quickly. Um, and usually that's because the aquascaper only has one or two tanks to set up competitively. So they need to flip it if they want to enter more than one aquascaping competition. Um, as um, a lot of the contests will only allow you to submit to their contest. So if you submit to another contest, you'll be disqualified. So I you know just the nature of the competitive aquascaping that happens. Now, as far as the complexity, um, that absolutely can shorten the life of an aquascape. Um, it really comes down to the aquascaper skills. Uh, a lot of, um, a lot of folks will see like a tank. Uh, I've heard this comment many times. Oh, that's just a moss scape. Uh, what they don't realize, moss is one of the hardest, hardest plants to keep, you know, maintained in the tank. It's just a, it's just a pain to keep it trimmed, looking nice. The, the cutting sink, you have to siphon them out. They'll get, um, mix them with your uh, foreground plants, and you'll be picking out of there forever. And you can lose an aquascape pretty quickly. Oh, interesting. So then, I mean, at home, resources are limited. Um, so how do you kind of control that urge 
to, you know, you, you set up an aquascape or even during your, your process of learning, you set something up. How long would you leave that aquascape up for before you, you know, you needed to tear it down and experiment and try a different style or try something different? Yeah, I, um, I like to give myself four to six months if I'm going to do a competitive aquascape. And during that process, um, in my earlier days, sometimes I would set up and it wouldn't turn out like I envisioned and knock it down. You know, it might be a month, it might be two months, and I'll just start from scratch and, uh, and then just, um, you know, try to put it back together using the same plants. So I still have the maturity of the plants and try to meet that deadline. Uh, I have not missed a deadline in competitive aquascaping yet. So I'm very fortunate there. Um, one of my best rankings back in 2016 um, for the IAPLC, which is the International Aquatic Plant Layout Contest, it's, uh, I would say that the most prestigious contest has been around very long, uh, is the one that is uh, hosted by uh, Aqua Design Amano, so Takashi Amano's company. And uh, so in that year, I set up, knocked down three times. Uh, I was running out of time. I just remember I was doing some maintenance on the tank, and it just wasn't wasn't happening. So this was on a Sunday where my wife and I were watching football, and we're in the middle of a game or something. It's halftime. I go into my office. I do some trimming, and I just unraveled the tank. I'm like, I need to move, to move a little bit, a little bit, and just fell apart on me. And, uh, so uh, before you know it, I pretty much had the half the tank on the floor. No tarps, no bu- buckets, nothing. And I just remember uh, my wife Amy coming in, and she goes, um, are you coming back? <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I just shrugged at her, you know, just pointing, and she's like, uh, what did you do? It smells like a swamp in your open window. And she and uh, I just remember I was at such a low at that point. I'm going, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. And um, opened the window and, um, you know, got some tarps and towels out or whatever. Watched the game for a little bit, came back and struggled with it again. She just comes back and she's just like, give, give, give it a rest. Just pick up all that stuff and just throw it back in the tank. I did that. And I was probably two months out from the contest deadline. And um, the next day, I took it back out, put it back together, and ended up with my best IAPLC ranking ever. Wow. So, yeah, yes. <laughs> so you never know. You just got to keep at it. So so what do you think happened with, you know, you, you set it down, you walked away from it, you were let your your mind was able to kind of reset. Although I feel like if it were me, I would my mind would be racing until I went back to that tank to work on it. What do you think, uh, what did you do that you yeah, believe contributed. Inspiration just struck. Um, okay. You just never know when it's gonna it's gonna click for you, and um, it it just you know I was refreshed in the morning and I you know I I was darned if I was gonna miss the uh, deadline and I just put my mind to it and inspiration struck and just all clicked. So yeah, I was fortunate because it could have easily went the other way. So, so maybe I misunderstood, but so if you're putting together a tank, and then I'm assuming this is one where you take a picture of your tank and you, and you submit it that way, correct? Correct. Okay, so 
um, you know, you're setting up a tank six months, you know, or a few months before the actual competition deadline. Is that advantageous to then have a lot of plant growth? Um, or, you know, do you find competitors that will, you know, slap something together at the last, you know, at the last minute, if you will, um, you know, so that way they have uh, a tank that is algae free, I guess. So I guess one of my issues would be, man, if I set this thing up in a few months, if, if I'm not on it, you know, every single day or every week with my parameters, I may have an algae explosion or, or something like that. And I would assume that that is an undesirable trait in these kinds of competitions. So, you know, typically do you see yeah, those people setting up? Tanks? Yeah, there's no, no tolerance for algae really. Uh, the, the, the really, uh, once you're, um, into competitive aquascaping, mastered growing plants, uh, and controlling the environment, keeping a very healthy aquarium, very balanced. So you're not dealing with algae, uh, day in, day out. It happens. It happens to everybody and you need to know how to treat it, uh, the different types of algae. Uh, and that is part of the, you know, that's part of aquascaping is, um, you know, keeping the algae at bay. Most of my, uh, most of my startups I've been fairly fortunate and not had to deal with, um, many algae problems. So, uh, as you, as you practice and, and really understand what you're doing, uh, in the, in that, uh, aquarium, you'll have less and less algae problems. It's to the point now where I, it's, it's very rare that I'll have an algae outbreak. And it all goes to, you know, how to set it up, the plants that you select, uh, tissue culture these days is very great because you're not getting algae spores on your plants. Um, you know, so <clears throat> controlling your light, controlling your fertilizers, um, the filters, keeping the filters clean, keeping the aquarium environment clean keeping the plants trimmed, all keep algae at bay. So uh, I would say probably the majority of aquascapers out there that are doing this competitively are not having algae issues day in, day out. Oh, interesting. And so what role then do you think livestock play in the aquariums when you're doing an, in an aquascaping competition? Yeah, uh, it depends on the contest. Uh, for example, uh, the IAPLC, it's half the score. Um, so it's extremely important. Um, something like the live contest that we had at Aquatic Experience, much less so. Yeah, I noticed that the plants, um, well, the the plants, I guess I would say, were definitely front and center, the aquascape, the hardscape, you know, the layout of the tanks, um, and then the, you know, whether or not the livestock was included was kind of a secondary matter. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think much people were paying attention to that. I certainly wasn't in the ear of the judges. Um, but in your personal take, I mean, if you were to design a competition, uh, what, what kind of balance would you strike? How important would you personally want the livestock to be in your competition? I, I think the, the way IAPLC does it, where it's half the score, where the environment has to be conducive to that fish is um, a critical component because in, in the end, these are still aquariums uh, and an aquarium without fish or other uh, critters like shrimps and um, other invertebrates is just a sad aquarium. <laughs> that, yeah, that I would agree with that statement. Um, what, what do you look for when you go to add in um, either inverts or fish into one of your aquascapes? I mean, what are some of the, the you know, hard principles that Jeff follows when he puts in livestock? Yeah, I'm actually, I, I still rely on others to help me out with that. Um, 
I, I think that's one area I need to grow a lot as far as selecting the livestock. Um, typically, I've been going uh, with schools of tetras or shoals of tetras. Uh, they're very much a aquascaping standby, if you or a uh, not standby, but typical choice. Um, if you look at most of the competitive uh, aquascaping inner tanks in the contest, year after year after year, they're they're very much the same fish. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely see myself as you know, when if all else. Um, yeah, I'd be going with a Cardinal Tetra school in there, you know, knowing that they kind of, they just kind of hang out more so than schooling together tightly. But, you know, I think it's kind of hard to beat a Cardinal Tetra, especially if you're going for anything like a, um, uh, you know, f- um, viewer or fans choice award. Um, I think that those are always a, a fan favorite. Yeah, they're, they're very bright. Uh, their bodies are big enough to show up. Uh, you would be surprised at how easily a fish or even a shoal of fish will disappear in aquascape when it's very complex. Um, so you're looking for contrasting colors. Um, you're also looking at the shape of the, the uh, fish, the, the body shape of the fish. Is it, you know, a, a taller fish? Is it an elongated fish? Does it need swimming room? You know, what type of plants are in there? Um, does it make sense for that fish uh, to be in there? So there, there's a lot to do with that. And there, you know, um, it, it is just, it's just a very important thing to consider. And m- many aquascapers these days are considering the fish first before they put the aquascape together. Oh, that would be a very interesting kind of perspective to take on it. Like I, I would think that not that not that they would come last, but I, I certainly wouldn't put the the livestock first and then try to design around that. Do you think that's for more of the biotope purposes, or just hey, using the cardinal tetra as our standard example? Here's this really beautiful blue and red fish. What could I design around it that again may not be its biotope because the leaf litter and tannins may <laughs> probably won't win you a competition. Um, but so so I guess what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, as far as yeah, as far as picking the fish, um, I think it is important to have what fish in mind um, before designing aquascape. Uh, it definitely is a uh, advanced way to look at it. Um, so you know, from that from that aspect, um, I think it is a must in in today's um, contest. The the, the contest uh, the, the the competition is just amazingly fierce. If you look ten years back, you would just be like, "Ah, oh, those are those are nice, they're okay." But if you look at them today, they're mind blowing. They're just showstoppers. Um, and I'm sure the, you know, the 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 very top rank down to, you know, the very bottom rank is very very tight in points. Yeah, I hear the the, the same thing said about the the shrimp competitions that we have now. That if you look at like the shrimps that we had entered, and I'm not trying to hijack our aquascaping competition talk by any means, but um, the shrimp entered in this year's aquatic experience shrimp contest would, you know, the ones that didn't place would have taken first place, you know, three years ago. So to hear that, you know, you, you see the same kind of things in the aquascaping world. I mean, for me, you know, one of my, uh, you know, passions is is growing the hobby more and hearing that 
in shrimp contests, now in aquascaping. I mean, we just continue to raise the bar year and year. So to me, that's good, right? The hobby's growing. It's getting more competitive. Hopefully more people are getting involved in these various aspects. So that, that's, that's a really positive thing to hear. Um, from your, I guess, what's on your list next in terms of designing a take around livestock or what would you like to design I, a tank around? I would love to share with you, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep it under wraps for now. <laughs> no, okay, no worries. I think like We a, can talk about it yeah. in a year from now. How's that? <laughs> that? That sounds good, Jeff, but you are definitely, okay, but you're definitely thinking about it and you're definitely doing something in that direction. So uh, very, every very day, cool. yeah. So yeah, any, any, day, yeah. any aspiring Hiring um, aquascapers out there, take take Jeff's kind of advice and and take your aquascaping game to the next level and pick a fish and aquascape around that. So very cool. Uh, so now let's talk very specifically about your journey, uh, your team's journey for the the 2018 aquascaping live competition that we just had that you took first place at Aquatic Experience. So when did that start? And just kind of walk me through that journey. Yeah, our, our journey started uh, the day after uh, that we didn't rank last year. Uh, and it was in Chicago when my teammates, uh, Rich Valerio, Chuck Branch, and Jerry Job, um, you know, we were disappointed. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, I, I didn't think we, you know, we deserved a place because we were unprepared. Uh, it's, uh, you know, just we, we, we winged it. And though we did a pretty nice tank, you know, it, it it's it's just tough. The competition level is just very high, so you have to you have to prepare. So we started the day after. They they asked uh, um, they asked me if I would take creative lead again. I said sure, I'd be happy to. But this this coming year, we're going to uh, we're going to do it hundred percent hundred percent my way. We're going to do this completely prepared. We're going to get together and we're going to build this aquascape out and grow it out and then we're going to bring it in and then we're going to finish off there and everything's going to be planned so um yeah so we so we did that and uh and because we were so unprepared last year the uh the team dysfunctional it, I, I just said man guys we're just dysfunctional and uh it just stuck <laughs> <laughs> very nice so so let me let me stop you right there. Um, what part of the the 2017 experience um, did you feel like you guys were dysfunctional and, and that you really weren't planning things out? I mean, did you just kind of show up with a box of, of goodies and you said, "Hey, here here's what we have to work with." It's kind of a mystery bag of plants and hardscape. That's exactly what okay. we did. Okay, and you, you got... know, so and the thing is, we so uh, we live in different cities, so we didn't discuss it. Um, I, we we didn't bring everything we were supposed to bring. I mean, just pretty much anything we could have done to sabotage ourselves, we did. Um, and you know, I, I have been I've been aquascaping for quite a while and have had a lot of success. I figured, you know, I, I got I guess a little um, little ahead of myself and figured you know, I'll pull something out of the hat. And you know what? If you don't have the stuff, you aren't pulling something. Out of the hat. Um, so. Um, yeah, and so that's how we end up as a team dysfunctional. Um, and then this year we did a 180-degree flip. So I actually met my teammates out in Dallas, and uh, we had a great weekend. Uh, it, it was just a lot of fun. So we did you know a lot of aquascaping, hanging out, um, joking around, having a few cold ones, and it was just 
it was just a whole lot of fun. Um, and then my teammates screwed out in Dallas and then we met back up in New Jersey here. Um, was it last weekend, the weekend before? And, uh, it, you know, it made the process a lot smoother. We could enjoy the time there, um, uh, because we weren't so stressed out trying to put something together. We had a plan, we executed the plan and it worked out. And, uh, if you're going to do live, that's what you need to do. You need to show up prepared. Yeah, so let, let's try a little exercise here. So obviously this is just an auditory experience only and that, um, you know, the people, you know, everybody listening to this, I'll have all of links into the sh- in the show notes so that you can go and check out uh, Team Dysfunctional's first place um, tank that won at Aquatic Experience. But um, give me, you know, in your best words, try to describe this tank to us and, that, and then we can kind of go from there uh, to talk more about it. Uh, so this this year we wanted to do a showstopper, um, and then we also need to make it very mobile. The Aquascape was built in June, and we had to assemble it in New Jersey uh, in October. So we decided to do um, a style popularized by the Indonesians. It's a jungle style, so it um, it is mainly a woodscape with vine like um branches so every one of the main branches had a lot of detail work on it uh, thin roots that were glued onto that wood um to make it look like vines to like make it look like jungle and then a lot of epiphyte plants a lot of anubias a lot of um uh booths um trying to remember what else we used on there there were very many varieties of those two plants um and then and then pull all that together. So uh, those our aquascape was actually in four pieces, and we used screws and glue to keep it together because of all of the um, travel that we knew it would have to go through. So we picked plants that would travel well, and then also uh, materials that were light and strong so that it would make the trip. Yeah, and I, I can't say enough just how stunning this tank is. Obviously, you know, again, to reiterate, it took first place in this competition. And, um, you know, the other tanks that were entered, every single one of them was a winner in their own right and were absolutely gorgeous and things that were beyond my ability. Um, but your tank, the though. The competition y- yeah. definitely was high. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ben Williams and uh, Balen Shaw's team, they did such a fantastic job and made me so happy to see them there. Guys and far. Uh, for Guapa too, his his concept was spectacular. When I saw it start, starting to come together, I was like, uh-oh, everyone brought it this year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, you know, I will say, though, I think you guys did hit it right on the head. And, you know, when you said that you guys wanted a showstopper, I think it was very hard to, you know, just kind of glance over all the tanks at once to not immediately have your eyes drawn back and focus on your tank. I mean, it, it just has this very... You know, and I think this is indicative of that Indonesian jungle style that you're talking about, but it has this whimsical, fun, um, you know, Avatar. Granted, I've never even seen the movie Avatar, but I've watched Fern Gully, and that's close <laughs> enough. But it's this very whimsical kind of jungle feeling to it. Um, in this particular picture that I'm looking at right now, this still, um, whichever, did you guys end up using neon tetras or those green neons? Yeah, they're green neons. So we had a, okay. um, a show of green neons. We also had picnic quarries in there on the bottom, red cherry shrimp, and um, we had hatchet fish at the top. So all of those openings and swim-throughs at every level of the tank had um, some type of livestock going through it. And I think that really set it apart. 
that it's it's funny to me the the tank does not photograph well. You really had to be there in person, or I know a sad second um, alternative is you know video. The the tank itself does does not photograph well. But to see it and all the all the critters swimming through it and that you know it really did it really did capture the public's eye. Uh, we ended up with People's Choice, which meant as much to me as the first place. Yeah, no, I mean that's definitely you know, bragging rights in in their own uh, their own respects too. Um, you know, just this this picture though. So I'll link that. I'll try and find some vi- uh, some good videos on YouTube to link as well of of maybe some people that did a good job of capturing this tank um, in motion. Um, but yeah, I mean it it is absolutely stunning. These green neon tetras were a fantastic choice. Just in the still, you know, the really two nice kind of balls of of neon tetra school. So they look awesome. Um, you know, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind kind of walking me through, you know, what kind of wood are you guys using? So if somebody wanted to imitate this at home for their own aquascape, um, you know, what does it kind of go through to make one of these pieces of, of wood that, um, you know, kind of the main jungle trunk, if you will? Yeah, well, we had, um, we had sponsors and they sent us, um, they sent us spiderwood at, at a request and the, and the pieces all end up because, um, uh, we we received this through the mail, so we didn't actually get to pick it out. All the pieces were on the small side, unfortunately. So a lot of the pieces you see there for the the uh, main tree structures coming up were actually a um, combination of like four or five pieces of spiderwood. So we had to take those pieces of spiderwood and kind of fit them together to get a trunk feel and then really go after it with the hand shears to take off the extraneous uh, parts and pieces, and then we screwed it together, and uh, and then we glued on the uh, roots. The roots were from uh, Chuck and Rich. Um, they have their own aquarium company, and they imported them. Uh, I'm not quite sure what kind of roots that they were, but they do have them for sale. Um, and uh, it was my first time to work with them, and. Uh, Quite frankly, I thought it was it was quite a challenge. I didn't think it would be that hard. It gave me a new respect for the Indonesian style. Yeah, how many man hours would you roughly swag went into each one of those main trunks? Um, probably four. Yeah, so I mean that's that's with the planting. That's, yeah, that's still probably good, four. That's still a good amount of work though to dedicate. Um, and I, I could just tell that it's something that would also be very tedious. Um, to do as well like it's not you know just straight like physical hard manual labor like it's looks like there's a lot of you know kind of delicate hand holding getting things in the correct position and then securing it together yeah yeah and then that was the really that's a trick because if you're just doing your tank in your house you know it's not a, that big of a deal but if you got to drive it 26 hours <laughs> it better it better hold together and we did have some breakage we had to fix on site, but uh, by and large, it was intact. Yeah, no, I think it's awesome. And then on the, uh, in kind of the, the background um, uh, left half of the tank, you've got this kind of, I, I think it's a boost, a boost. It's either the boost or a smaller Anubius leaf, but it's almost like cradled, right? Like, I don't know if you know exactly what I'm talking about, but you've got some kind yeah. of swinging branches and then you, it, the background, it steps up a little bit and it just looks like this you know, kind of treehouse cradle of a large piece of boost or Anubius. And I think it's so cool, right? Like the, you know, the little, the, the kind of tunnel vision that you get from, from all the vines. 
um, kind of a canyon cave feel. But there's just something about this cradle of boost that just looks really, really attractive. Yeah, we really spent a, a lot of effort in that area because we knew it would be the focal point and the opening was there. We really wanted to build up some depth. So when you look in the tank, it feels like it's a lot deeper than it is. Um, so we did spend a lot of effort there. That uh, that right piece was our main piece. So so what do you guys what are you guys doing? Are you guys like Google hanging out this uh, like skyping while somebody is physically moving yeah. the pieces around? Are you are and you rough well, so, sketching? So we met up we met up for a long weekend and we did the majority of it. But then uh, and then Rich and Chuck lived both in Dallas and then they grew it out and uh, basically I was yeah just like you said um, Facebook um, you know Facebook audio video and send me photos and change this, change, change that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we just try to stay in touch as much as we could during that period of time. That would be so nerve-wracking if I was the guy on your team that had to grow out the plants for, you know, three quarters <laughs> of a year. That would that would put so much stress on me. I would be looking for algae every single day before I went to work to make sure that those plants are dialed in. Because I feel like that I, I can't, you can't let the team down, right? You show up and you've got blackbeard algae <laughs> covering your plants. Yeah, believe me, um, Chuck and Rich were both sweating it. I was in Chuck's house and yeah, he, um, he was diligent. Um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm meticulous and, and I think it comes through in my aquascaping that I just, everything has to be just, just perfect. So for me to be the lead on it and just watching over his shoulder the whole time, I'm sure it was just extremely stressful for him. Sorry, Chuck. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it worked Hope out. It was worth it, buddy. No, man. I mean, it worked out fantastic. Obviously, you guys won. Um, if you were to look at a picture of this right now or a video, you know, obviously you don't have to say anything out loud, but are there a couple elements in here still with your meticulous eye where you kind of cringe and, mm. and are like, oh, yeah. I wish I could change that? Uh, honestly, <laughs> yeah. So if I critique it, I, I just see all the flaws. I would have, I, I would have. You know, if I had the the time and the materials and stuff, I would have changed probably ninety nine percent of it. But that's just me; it's just my nature. You know, it was it was good, but uh, you know, anything can be better, and that's just uh, just who I am. Um, and then and then the Indonesian style too does not really speak to me. It's not my, you know, it's it's not my favorite style. It might be my first and last Indonesian type um, aquascape. So let's talk about if somebody, if I, if I hit the Powerball, right? I, I don't know if somebody's already won it at this point, but it was like a billion dollars, whatever it was. If I, if I hit the Powerball and I said, guys, I want to buy this exact setup. I want to put it up in my house. Um, looking at the plants that you have on here, this, this seems like something that could be an actual permanent setup. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was worried about the roots, but they... Um... There was some decay off of them, some sloughing off of the outer um, layers, um, but they they stabilized, and um, I think they'll last quite a while. I was actually surprised at that because I thought it, for sure it would decay and just rot away after time, but, you know, the, the tank was wet from June. I saw it at the end of October, and uh, and the roots were just fine, so that that was, yeah, that surprised me. Oh, and so you guys actually, when you put the the all of the the pieces of trunk and tree together and vines, you actually had already affixed or you affixed the plants to it and then let it grow out for a few months. 
Correct. Oh, yeah, so okay. probably, yeah, so all of the Anubias and all the booths and the moss on the, those pieces grew out. So, um, yeah, uh, especially the moss, you can't get that. The, the Anubias and booths we could have done at the end and get the same effect, but not the moss. Um, moss has to grow out. You, you put it on in a thin layer and you trim it every couple of weeks right back tight so it's only about a quarter inch and then you fill in gaps. You use a little super glue and take some of your trimmings and fill in the gaps and just keep doing that. And Chuck and Chuck and Rich did that for, you know, three months to get that really full moss look. Wow. And so now were the pieces, were they maintained in separate tanks or did you guys try to keep it together as much as possible throughout that duration? Yeah. So it was all in the same tank. Um, Chuck had a 90 gallon tank and he put the entire aquascape in there and, um, and just maintained it inside that 90 gallon. And we knew the dimensions of the tank going into the contest. So, um, you know, even though that we grew out in a bigger tank, uh, we knew it was going to fit into our smaller com- competition tanks. No, no problem. But yeah, he, he grew it out. Uh, even like, um, so when you, when you first see the aquascape, the spiderwood has a reddish, um, hue to it. And the roots were kind of a yellowish look to them. And, you know, they just, they don't, they don't look right at first, but by soaking it and letting it, um, grow out, it all becomes that nice dark brown, all the same color tone. I'm sound like a broken record. This, this tank is absolutely fantastic. And to hear you say that, you know, you, you see a lot of things that you would still want to change, even having one first place in the uh, <laughs> fans choice award. I'm going to say it with love. I think you're crazy. This, thing, <laughs> this, this tank is fantastic. Yeah, I, I man. think, I think you're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, how how heartbreaking was it to tear it down though at the end of the uh, at the end of the competition? Uh, this this one uh, wasn't heartbreaking at all. I knew it was temporary, and like I said, it just didn't. It wasn't my style, and I saw the flaws, and, and I was so happy uh, for um, you know my team that you know we could take first in, in people's choice, especially after the disappointment from the year before. Uh, it was it was a nice redemption, but I, I didn't. I didn't feel any attachment to this aquascape. Now I've had I've had ones where I've torn down that were just heartbreaking, just absolutely perfect uh, perfection. And um, like my IAPLC scape uh, from this year, um, it placed 84th, and I pulled the plug on it two months early to set up for um, the Chinese um, the China International Aquascaping Contest. Which had a due deadline, I think it was July 15th. So I only had three months, even pulling the plug early on my PLC entry and pulling the plug on that just, it just hurt. The the tank was so easy to maintain. It was just gorgeous. The fish were so awesome. And yeah, that that just really hurt. But it was worth it. Right Um, there. the, the, The Chinese. I was going to say, right there is where multiple tank syndrome kicks in, and you just move that tank to somewhere else <laughs> in the house, and you, and you just leave it running. Yeah, uh, I wish I could. Um, my wife and I made a deal way back when I started doing the aquascaping. She said, actually, before they even aquascaping, she said that um, I could do whatever I wanted in my office. She wouldn't care. So go nuts. So I have my tanks in there. I actually have a reef tank as well. 
So I have a reef tank and a planet tank, and that's all I have room for. That's all I have the wall space for. So she was smart. She lets me do whatever I want, but she knew it would be contained. You know, there's no way I could get out of hand. Did she say that you couldn't expand the office? <laughs> was, well, was she clever um, enough to state that? that? <laughs> I'm not so devious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man. If there's a, if there's a loophole, right? Like, I mean, I just went yeah, ahead. Yeah. I, I commandeered. I commandeered a bedroom. <laughs> I, got, I commandeered a bedroom, um, and then my wife was like, "All right, you can just build out a room in the garage." And so, you know, something that I thought was going to be, you know, two or three years down the road at a minimum, um, is almost done now. So that's that. That's for another conversation. <laughs> but <laughs> I can I can appreciate respecting no, the wishes I, of the uh, significant I've, other. Uh, I've honored the um, spirit of the agreement. <laughs> good, good on you, Jeff. <laughs> So, uh, Jeff, I want to say, man, thank you very much for, for taking time to talk to me about your journey in aquascaping um, and just really, you know, spending a lot of time to, to break down and talk about this wonderful tank that you and your team, Team Dysfunctional, put together. Um, you guys did a fantastic job. It was, it was great to see all of the aquascaping teams working uh, feverishly, at least what looked feverishly to me, um, but obviously being able to produce quality product at the end of the day that was just so visually appealing. So thank you for um, giving us kind of that in-depth, behind-the-scenes look that I don't think we get that, right? We don't get that kind of experience to, to hear firsthand uh, the journey that a tank went through to get to this perfected product, um, you know, at, at the end of the day. So again, thank you very much. And I want to give you a chance, you know, how can people reach out to you? Um, and I know also you do speak at clubs as well. So if you want to let people know how they can get a hold of you and, you know, what avenues yeah. to, to look you up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm, I, uh, I believe in, in sharing these aquascapes. I think it make the world a better place. Um, I, I know just the, my teammates, the, the competitors we are up against were very good friends. Um, you know, just everyone there. It was just such a great atmosphere. Um, it was just an honor to be there and aquascaping with everyone. Um, to get a hold of me, um, I actually uh, am recently retired. I, I retired from my second career. I was an IT consultant, and uh, I... Um, shut down my business in April and uh, just recently um, started Jeff Miyake Aquascaper. So you can find me at jeffmiyake.com. That's J-E-F-F-M-I-O-T-K-E.com. And uh, the the point I'm at in life, I'm in, I'm in a good place. And uh, I want to share my uh, insights, my experience, and my passion of aquascaping with, uh, you know, with everyone. So um, it, my my main goal is to travel the country, talk to clubs, and uh, and share um, aquascaping um, with all my my um, friends or soon to be friends, uh, as well as um, you know uh, additional services on top of that. But uh, that's my main goal, and uh, I can be reached at Instagram again JeffMiyake.com or Facebook Jeff Miyake Aquascaper. Um, so yeah, I, um, love to help people. I do a lot of it. Um, so feel free to, uh, reach out to me. I'd be happy to help. Yeah. Awesome. And then you will also be at AGA 2019, right? In Seattle. I, uh, yes, I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm on the alternate speaker list. Um, I have a can talk right now called, 
uh, competitive aquascaping, um, and then in quotes, or how to make your aquarium awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's gone over really well. Um, the, the feedback from audience has been overwhelming, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that. So uh, I have that ready to go. So if you have a local fish club uh, looking for a speaker, I'd be more than happy. I would be honored to give that talk to your club. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there, there's kind of two things in there to unpack. One is uh, I would love to have you come up to Seattle to just talk at our fish club. So um, I don't think we've had an aquascaping specific talk in in maybe last year. I don't think we had one last year, but nonetheless, uh, I'll, I'll see if we can pull some strings and get you up here. Uh, but also for, for AGA though, man, I mean, if, if anybody listening to this is in the greater Pacific Northwest area, if you're across the border in Vancouver, you have no excuse to miss out on AGA convention 2019. It's going to be in the greater Seattle area, Renton in specific, which is, is just right next to the airport. Um, that is going to be good times. I think it's in May next year. So you've got months and months in advance to plan for that trip if you're local if you're not local again you've got months and months to plan to come and meet people like jeff miyaki um you know i'm sure you'll be participating in some of the workshops or maybe you're going to give a talk or or just mingle and and pick your brain in a side conversation so um you know there's gonna be more to to come from me on just aga 2019 and talking about that with some other people here in the future but nonetheless come and you can hang out with me and you can hang out with jeff miyaki um, in Seattle, absolutely beautiful place in May, if it if it is May, which I think it is. Either way, come to Seattle, check it out. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Become an AGA member. It's a fantastic group of people. If you're into aquariums, especially planet tanks, you cannot miss this. Yeah, no, definitely. The uh, What is it? Oh, God, I, I'm going to embarrass myself right now. Aquatic Gardeners Association, right? Correct. Yes. <laughs> there we go. I know my acronyms on the fly. So yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, Jeff, again, man, thank you very much for coming on the Aquarius podcast and talking about your journey and that wonderful, wonderful tank that you and Team Dysfunctional put together. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that uh, my listeners out there also appreciated the talk as well. So you have a good night, Jeff. We'll talk to you later. Honored to be here. And uh, I appreciate all your kind words. Thank you again for listening to the Aquarius podcast. As always, get involved in your local fish club, help grow this wonderful hobby, and have fun with other fish nerds.